You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Well, hello church. Good to see everyone here. It's good to see. Welcome everyone online who's watching. Thank you for tuning in. I believe God has a message for you. So excited about this, uh, this uh, message, guys. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, for your love. And we humble ourselves before you right now. Would you have your way here, Lord? Would you move here? Stir hearts, God. And do your thing here, Lord. Holy Spirit, work in and through me by your grace. We need an encounter with your spirit, God. We're living in a day and age right now, God, where life and death are very real. And Jesus, we just know you're the resurrection and the life and our hope is in you. Our faith is in you, God. And I pray again for those who have this horrible virus. I pray, God, for healing over their bodies. I think about Johnny right now, God, and I pray that you touch him right now in the ICU. Would you bring healing to his body right now, God, in the name of Jesus Christ? Would you be with us, Lord, as we all face our own challenges, whether it's uh, in our home or outside of our home, God. We cry out to you. We're not here to just check off a box, God. We need you. So move in hearts here, Lord. Move in hearts here. Move in hearts of those people who are watching online right now, God. I know there's a lot of things that could distract us, but wherever they're at watching this video, whether they're in their car or in their home or wherever they're at, God, maybe, it's a, maybe they're sitting down on a bench, wherever they're at, God, would you speak to them? May they see your love and your grace, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. I love to hear babies because it reminds me of life. And we have a God who gives life, don't we? He's the giver of life. So for the next few weeks, we're in this series called Do Not Fear. And uh, I, I couldn't think of a more appropriate series to be in in light of our circumstances. And you know, the Bible talks about do not fear uh, quite a bit. In fact, over 365 times the words do not fear are mentioned in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I have a feeling that God thinks we have a propensity to fear. I, I think that's why it's in there so often. And Jesus showing up saying, do not fear, it's me, and over and over. I think we have a fear of being alone, a fear of not having enough, a fear of a loss, a fear of uh, not being liked. Whatever it is, there's all kinds of fears that kind of sit with us a little bit. Um, <clears throat> this commandment is very, very popular. And today's title is when not to wear a mask. I wanted to come and preach a little bit with it on, but it was messing up with my mic, so I I couldn't do it, but, but when not to wear a mask, um, you know, I, I don't know about you and we, we, this mask has become very divisive in the church even, and, and even entering stores and when should you wear one and when should you not and who's right and this kind of thing. Um, I do want to be clear. I recognize we're living in a pandemic. I recognize it's a very real situation uh, for many, many people. You heard me pray uh, about Johnny, who's in ICU right now, and, and he's got uh, this COVID and, and the pneumonia in his body, and you need to pray for him. But um, that, as a pastor, I want to be an example of walking by faith. I want to be an example of walking with wisdom, and I want to be a good testimony of Jesus. 
So there's my motivation right there. I want to do all of those things. So before anyone was wearing a mask, social distancing was common. It's in the Bible. You know that? It was common. This is not the first time social distancing is required. It's not the first time someone was asked to wear a mask. It's not the first time at all. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, there is this famous story involving Jesus and a leper. And you see this same story in the Gospel of Matthew, and you read about it also in the Gospel of Luke. But we're going to look at Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says this. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to what church? To Okay, this is a time when you're part of the message, okay? This is a time when isolated place to pray. That's right. Um, Think about this. Your Savior, your Savior took time to go to a place where nobody else was at to pray. You should get alone to meet your Savior. Find an isolated place to pray and read Scripture. I like what this one Bible scholar said. Jesus did not need to pray because he was weak, but because he was strong. And the source of his strength was his relationship with God, his Father. Have you ever, have you ever considered that the source of your strength is spending time at the well with your savior. The source of your strength to go through each day is all dependent on your willingness to go and sit by the living water, the resurrection and the life and to spend time in his word. That's the source of your strength, to spend time with God. Do you have a place that's isolated, that's designated for you to go and spend time with God? Or are you too busy? Do you have a place where you can go off? Maybe it's in a closet or maybe it's in your car or maybe it's your living room or wherever it's at, your bedroom or your office even. Do you have a designated space where it's you and God? I want to encourage you to find that designated space because God has a word for you. God wants you to know his will. And this is where you determine the will of God and spending time reading God's Word. Spend time reading it, even if it's one verse, whatever it is, spend time. Look at this story. Verse 36 is this. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. So Jesus is like a wanted man. Like, where is he at? When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. You almost feel like they're scolding Jesus. Like, Jesus, come on now. Everybody's looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. You know, when you look at at, at the Gospels and you look at the life of Jesus and, and the relationship Jesus has with the disciples, many times you get this impression that like Jesus is on one page and the disciples are on another page. You get that vibe over and over and over. Like Jesus is saying, I gotta go to Jerusalem. And they're saying, we're hungry. You know, they just seem off just a bit. And here Jesus is saying, is Jesus is saying, look, we've got a, I've got a lot of towns to preach. We must go on to the other towns and I need to preach there as well. This is why I came. Jesus is mission driven. He's mission driven. And then you read verse 39. It says, so he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues 
and what church and casting out demons. So he's preaching, he's teaching, and he's performing these miracles. Why is that incidentally? The miracles validate who he is. He does things that nobody else can do. So it gives credit or credence to his teachings. And that's why you see Jesus teach and do miracles, teach and do miracles, teach and do miracles. And that's what's happening. He's casting out demons. Verse 40 says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus. Now, let me just stop right here. This is a new thing. This is a new situation that's about to happen here. This has not happened yet. In fact, there's only been six or seven other miracles before this one that we read about in the Gospels. Only six or seven. And none of them involved leprosy. This is a brand new thing. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus Say in front of Jesus with me. Can you say that? Because that's a big part in this passage right here. Begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can make me, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Think about the desperation. This leper shows up. Let's talk a little bit about what is leprosy. What is this about? What is this about? The word leprosy comes from the Greek word lepra, which refers to scabs or peeling. The term leprosy is found 68 times in the Bible, 55 times in the Old Testament, 13 times in the New Testament. In, in 1873, it became known as Hansen's disease when Gerard Hansen described it. Leprosy begins like this, small red spots on the skin before too long the spots get bigger and start to turn white with a shiny or scaly appearance. The spots soon spread over the body and hair begins to fall out, first from the head, then even from the eyebrows. As things get worse, fingernails and toenails become loose. They start to rot and eventually fall off. Then the joints of fingers and toes begin to rot and fall off piece by piece. Gums begin to shrink and they can't hold the teeth anymore. So each tooth is lost. And leprosy keeps eating away at the face until the nose, the palate, and even the eyes rot and the leper wastes away until he or she dies. And leprosy can have sensory nerve damage as well. When the sensory nerves are damaged, they cannot even register pain. It's one of the challenges or problems. There's all kinds of problems with leprosy, but they can put, actually put their, put their hand in a fire and not realize that their hand is being burned because they have no nerves. That's leprosy. That's how severe this disease is. In the Old Testament, it was the priests who were the public health advisors. Leviticus chapter 13. It, it, it wasn't the, the health organization of the world or anything like that. It says this, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, if anyone has a swelling or a rash or discolored skin that might develop into a serious skin disease, that person must be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons. The priest will examine the affected area of the skin. If the hair in the affected area has turned white 
and the problem appears to be more than skin deep. It is a serious skin disease, and the priest who examines it must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. Did you find that interesting? It wasn't the World Health Organization, it was the priest, the pastor. Could you imagine what that would be like today? If you were sick, you were to come and I'm supposed to look at it. And I always look at this thing and I wonder why the priest didn't get sick or anything like that. What's that about? As horrible as the physical suffering was, the worst part of having leprosy might have been the way people were treated. Verse 45 of Leviticus chapter 13 says this, those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. So you had to be quarantined for seven days to see if it gets worse. And when you got out of quarantine, you had to wear these clothes that were all worn out with you know, holes in them and this kind of thing. And you couldn't shave your beard or cut your hair. Kind of like when we were at a stay-at-home order. A lot of us just kind of looked a little bit ugly, I guess. And we just looked unkept, right? <laughs> and we just like, it was like that. For like we were from March through July. We just had to, you know, be in this unkept position or uh, situation. You had to cover the lowest part of your face. Does this sound familiar? You had to cover the lowest part of your face. Anytime people came near to you, you had to shout out, unclean, unclean. Could you imagine that? Every time you walked down the street and if you saw someone walking towards you, you had a responsibility to shout out, unclean, unclean. You walk into a house and the first thing you need to say is, unclean, unclean. They were proclaiming to everyone that they had leprosy. Stay away from me. Unclean, unclean. Get away. And you keep reading this and it just gets... It, it, it's just, Numbers chapter five, verse two says it like this. Command the people of Israel to remove from the camp anyone who has a skin disease or discharge or who has become ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person. Get out of camp. You don't belong here. Get out of here. Go live outside with the other outcasts, those, those who had this disease. In fact, in ancient Jewish, Jewish law, there were 61 defilements, 61 defilements. Now, a defilement was considered someone who was unclean, dirty, polluted, foul, or impure. There were 61. You know what number one was? A dead body. Touching a dead body was number one. You know what number two was? Leprosy. Leprosy. <clears throat> Today, you see this. If you had leprosy, you were removed from the camp and you lived alone and you were not allowed to touch anyone. It was a touch-free society. In fact, you, you were ousted out of the community of the camp with Israel and you were living in a new community with a bunch of lepers all around you. 
might have the same response. Have you seen some people in their response when, when you hear someone says, I was with my cousin or aunt and they may have had COVID, they may have not, we're not sure. And when they say something like that and they're talking to the person, they say, oh, really? That's good. You know, that, that's wow, wow. We'll keep them in prayer. You know, have you seen that happen before? Oh, you're a leper. Oh, wow. How'd you get over here? I don't know what you're doing over here. Man, all of a sudden, there's a fear that bubbles up right there. You know what's worse? Many of the Jews believed that leprosy was a sign that this person has committed the ultimate sins. It was a spiritual condition as well. So when there was a leper, it wasn't only a physical condition, but it was also this person is under a curse from God because they have sinned. They've sinned. And get this, a leper wasn't allowed to come within six feet of another human. Wow. Within six feet of another human. Stay away. Six feet. Don't come. He's a leper. She's a leper. Whatever. Six feet. Stay away. Doesn't that sound just a little bit familiar? The disease was considered so revolting that a leper, that, that a leper, get this, it was so revolting that the leopard wasn't permitted to come within 150 feet of anyone when the wind was blowing. When the wind was blowing. <clears throat> Jewish rabbis didn't even come close to a leper. One rabbi bragged that he would not even buy an egg or a street where he saw a leper. And another boasted that he threw rocks at lepers to keep them from coming close Mark chapter one, verse 40. Look at the original Greek language. It says it like this. And there comes to him a leper. And this phrase, there comes to him. I want you to hear this. The leper confronts Jesus. Literally, it's face to face. He's breaking the six foot rule. He's breaking the 150 foot rule. He just comes right up to Jesus, right in his face. And he knows it. Do you think Jesus knew the Mosaic law? Do you think Jesus knew who this guy was? It's interesting. We don't even know this guy's name. He's referred to as the leper. It's like you being referred to as the sinner. That's all he is. He's just a leper. And he shows up and he comes right to his face. And, and what he says is, it says, begging him and kneeling. He just, he's desperate. He doesn't care what other people think about him. That's one thing. When you want to know God, if you really want to seek God, you seek him with all of your heart. And when you really want to know God, you don't care what other people think. You don't care what other people care about, whatever. It doesn't matter to you. You just want God. And then scripture says this. He says, if you are willing. There's two Greek words here that this phrase, if you are willing. One is a desire that comes from emotions and another is a desire that comes from reason. One is like, you know, this reason idea is, you know what, let's just work this out logically. It makes sense. Why don't you, can you just heal me? Kind of but, but this leper is not appealing to Jesus's reasoning. You know what he's appealing to? His emotion. Will you love me? Don't you, have, don't you feel bad for me, Jesus? Will you just extend compassion and grace? And that's exactly what happens. The leper is appealing to the tender-hearted compassion of Jesus Christ. 
He knows what the law says. Here it is. This is the essence of the grace of God. God is moved to touch us even though we have spiritual leprosy. His emotion to love us is greater than any reason why he shouldn't. That's the grace of God. It's like, God, I know I messed up. I know I've messed up, God, but I just need you to hear my prayer. One more time, God, I know I've messed up. I know I've sinned and I've gone back to this over and over like a dog with a vomit, but God, would you just not give up on me? Will your love just not run out? Will your grace just not run out, God? Will you just do that, God? And that's exactly what happens. I want you to hear this. You are most like Christ when you love someone that everyone else rejects. You are most like Christ when you love the person that everyone else shuns. You are most like Christ when you love the person that everybody else overlooks. You are most like Christ. You love that backstabber, that hater, that liar, that sinner, that whatever. And then the leper tells him, you have power to cleanse me. I wonder if Jesus is like, oh, really? Do I have that power? You know, I, I think Jesus knows what he can do. I think Jesus knows he, he has that power. But it's, like, it's almost like the leper is talking to himself a little bit. You ever talk to God, but you're really talking to yourself. You're like preaching to yourself over God's shoulder. And you say, God, I know you can do this. I know you can move, God. I know this situation isn't too big for you, God. You're, you're like feeding your own faith just a little bit. And you're saying, God, I know, I know you can. I know you can. But the leper, here, here's what it is. He questions whether Jesus wants to heal him. That's his question. He's wondering, he's, got, he's like, Jesus, I know you can touch me. I know you can heal me from this disease. I know you can give me another life. I know you can do that. But do you want to? Do you really want to? And he questions Jesus' desire to heal him. Here's the leper's theology. At some point in this leper's life, he came to this conclusion that being a leper was his lifelong condition. Maybe at some point in his life, he looked back at his life and he thought, you know what, I messed up here and I messed up here and I messed up here. Now I'm living out the consequences of my life and this is just my life. Maybe something has happened inside of him where he's become hard and bitter and resentful and, this guy, and angry and he's just angry at everyone. He's angry at his mother for ousting him, his father, brother, sister, whatever. Now he's just upset. And it's affecting his relationship with God. And he's spending alone time, a lot of alone time. And he's like, Jesus, I know you can do this. I know you can do this, but I don't know if I believe. I just don't know. And I want you to hear this. The length of your problem does not determine the length of God's grace. Sometimes we think our problems are bigger than what God could handle. Sometimes we think our sins are too great for God to forgive. But the length of your problem is not, is not as great as the length of God's grace. So when the leper approaches Jesus, there were two things the Jew thought about this. One was, here comes the walking dead. Here comes the walking dead. And the other one was, he was being punished by God. Have you ever given up on yourself? You stopped trying? You just give up on yourself and you convince yourself all kinds of negative stuff. This leper shows up, he has given up on himself and everybody around him looks like, I mean, this is the leper. He's only comes after a dead body. Here it is. And then look what happens in verse 41. 
It says, moved with what church? With Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. So this word compassion means this combination of pity and love. This combination of pity and love. This verse is really interesting. If you look at this verse, verse 41, you can look up in your Bible app or if you have your Bible open, read this verse right here. And there's a chance, a very good chance, verse 41 doesn't say compassion. It says another word. You know what word it might say? Look at this verse. Look it up at the NASB or NIV or, or look it up in, in another version. It might say indignant. Two completely different words. Indignant has to do with anger. But compassion has to do with pity and love. Uh, we're just gonna go to school just a little bit here, guys. You have to remember that the Bible was passed on by scribes. So the scribes would write down what the scripture says from one scroll scroll to another, and it was passed on by scribes. Now, 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 sometimes one scribe spelled a word differently on his manuscript, while another might have accidentally skipped or repeated some of the text he was copying. That happened. These cases are minor variants, don't really, need, don't really change the meaning of the text. But other times, however, scribes added to or even changed text to clarify a passage or to suit their theological preferences. So this is an example in scripture right here where we have two different, two different words. It's fascinating right here. Two different words. Most Greek manuscripts as well as later translations say that Jesus was moved with compassion. So whether it's compassion or it's, he was indignant, it's the same savior and he's, he's, he's motivated to move and to touch. And in fact, verse 41, this, this idea of, of compassion, uh, the gospel of Luke does not use the word compassion. It just says that Jesus stretched out his hand. So when you do a little study and you look at these different passages right here and you you discover this, these two incidents of reaching out and Jesus having compassion, it literally means that Jesus did this. When he said, I am willing, he was saying that at the same time he was touching the leper. When he said, I am willing. Let me put it to you this way. Before he touched the leper, Jesus healed him. And the only reason why he touched the leper was to show the leper and everyone who was watching that Jesus healed him. He didn't have to touch him. He just said, I am willing. When he said, I am willing, he was healed before Jesus touched him. That's the, that's the condition, that's the love, that's the compassion of Jesus. Now consider this, the first kind touch of a human hand this leper ever experienced was the gentle touch of the Son of God. Wow. <laughs> that just like, you know what it's like to go for a long time without touching? Remember what that felt like? You know what that feels like? In fact, there's negative effects when you go through life without being touched by other people. 
There's negative effects about how you feel about yourself and others and this kind of thing. And that touch by a human, especially someone who loves you, you can feel it down to your bones and it means so much. This leper was just like all the other lepers. He was not allowed to touch anyone nor anyone to touch him. And the first one that touches him is the one who says, I am willing. And Jesus is the first and he, he touches him and heals him right there. The first one. We have to be careful, church. Wearing a mask or not wearing a mask can be divisive. We have to be careful. The devil wants to divide wants to destroy. The devil thrives with chaos and confusion. Uh, on Facebook, <clears throat> most of you are old enough to know Facebook. Some of the younger ones only know TikTok, but Facebook is the older thing. But anyway, on Facebook, I have a professor friend of mine at a Christian university, and he puts on his post, on his page, wearing a mask is the most Christ-like thing anyone could do. He got so many negative comments from that, from other Christians, from other Bible professors, pastors, Christians who study the word, whatever it is. He got so many comments like, really, really the greatest Christ-like thing you can do? See, the enemy wants to create this division. We're living in a day and age where people are taking sides. Blue lives matter. Black lives matter. Political sides, red and blue and masks and no mask. I want you to, want you, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Jesus said this, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It was pretty simple. If you're a follower of Jesus, then people should see your love. Be known for your Christ-like love. Be known for your Christ-like love. Let that be what you're known for. Christians should not get swept up into the drama and divisiveness of this world. We should not get swept up to it. Christians are to love everyone. We're not of this world. We're citizens of heaven. We've always known we're passing through. Always. I was so proud of our church just two Sundays ago. I'm always proud of Thorn Creek because we have amazing people. But just two Sundays ago, you know, one of the, one of the families, one of the teenagers, or I should say 18 years old, maybe a young adult, but uh, she got COVID. And our church came around her because she was going to have a party, a graduation party, and it was postponed because of this whole thing. But two Sundays ago, we went to their house and stood on their front lawn and worshiped. Children, his favor be 
Isn't that beautiful? <clears throat> I was talking to someone about uh, Thorn Creek, and they were asking, so who is Thorn Creek? And I said, we just love. We just love, and it doesn't matter what that looks like. And um, uh, that family, uh, God has ministered to this family in a lot of different ways. Uh, there's a whole history of this is a ministry family. His dad was a pastor, and, and then Johnny became a pastor. And um, where they're at right now is Madi is still feeling not good, but she's at home. And uh, mom is doing okay, brother's doing okay, and their, their little, little, the little one is fine. But dad, who was in that video, Johnny, he's not doing well. In fact, he's in the ICU right now at Good Samaritan. And they have him right now. He's lying down on his chest. And they're going to make a decision tonight of whether or not they're going to, they're going to put a, that tube in his lungs and help him to breathe. So, so it's a tough, tough situation. So here's what we're going to do, guys, because I just believe God still heals. I just believe that. Sometimes God chooses not to heal, but other times he heals. And we, need to, we have a responsibility as a, as a church to ask and to cry out to God. I believe it pleases God when we pursue him with all of his heart. You know, my prayer has been God would just be with our camp and keep us healthy. And this is the closest it's come now to us. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for Johnny Sunday, tomorrow at 2 p.m. Sunday, August 16th at 2 p.m. So we're asking everyone, if you can make it, you can stay in your car, whatever you want, come out of the car, whatever it is, and we're gonna park at the Northwest parking lot and we're gonna pray for him at, uh, at 2 p.m. And you, you'll see uh, um, one, of our, one of our members has a blue expedition and he's gonna get there at 145 and he's gonna put on his hazard lights. So you'll see where to park and, and we're gonna be out there and pray as the Lord leads and you can pray as little or as long as, as, as you'd like. We, we uh, that's as close as we can get to him. We can't go inside the room, obviously, but we can go and pray. So I want to encourage you to make time out of your day to do that. I prayed about this whole message, and the Lord showed me a passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, this is the words of Paul the Apostle. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all means, by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. You see the heart of Paul the Apostle? He said, to the weak, I became weak. To the, to the Greek, I became a Greek. To those who were under the law, I acted like I was under the law. And what was his motivation in all this? For the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So if you struggle with a mask or not a mask, I want you to hear this. Don't let what you stand for overshadow who you live for. 
Don't let what you stand for overshadow who you live for. God is a God of truth. There's righteousness, there's righteousness and God wants us to live a holy life. The last thing I want someone to see is my personal preference before they see Christ's love in me. I want them to see the love of Jesus inside of me. My goal is for people to come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's my goal. Now, as a pastor, I'm just going to be really, really honest with you here. <clears throat> I, I, I look at the book of Revelation, and I see what's going to happen. I see what's going to happen. And I, I look at our country, and I think, how in the world, how in the world could all the churches be shut down? How in the world could they all be shut down and all the churches be shut down when there's liquor stores and pot shops and grocery stores open and all that and that's okay if the churches I struggle with that. I just want to be real with you. I struggle with that because I think we need God more than ever. We need God more than ever. And I think reaching out and crying out to God, our Savior, our great God, who his word is greater than Dr. Fauci's word or anyone else's word, and I cry out to him. Anybody else with me? You know, are you leaving? <laughs> so, <clears throat> and I recognize, I can see how this thing could be dangerous. It feels a little bit like a dress rehearsal for a new world order. I get it. But at the same time, I recognize the time that we're in. And I, need, I have a burden of responsibility to show people Jesus. Jesus said, be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. And we need to love. We need to love and we need to love. Look what happened to this leper. Verse 42 says, instantly. Can you say instantly with me? Instantly. The leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. healed. You know what that word instantly means? to go off from, to go off from. Literally, it's like the leprosy and the man were separated. They were separated. I was at Kaiser at, at the hospital there at Good Samaritan, and I was praying for Johnny in my car, and I said, God, would you just separate that Pneumonia. Would you separate that COVID from his body in the name of Jesus Christ? As soon as, said, I, as soon as Jesus said, I am willing, the leprosy that was on this guy separated from him. He was all of a sudden healed, healed. And verse 43 says this, then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Here's the warning. Don't tell anyone about this. This is like a new miracle. He's, this leprosy thing has never happened before. It's only number, like number seven or number eight miracle, depending on how you count it. He said, instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Do you know what Jesus is saying? Postpone your testimony. Now, the reason why Jesus wants him to postpone his testimony is Jesus is concerned that people would just look at him as some sort of faith miracle worker, and that's it. Jesus observed the law. Jesus didn't want premature violence. He knew the timing was important, and he didn't want a crowd to affect his ministry. So he said, just wait. And he says, take along the offering required. If you want to read about that, 
go to Leviticus chapter 14. It's like Jesus recognizes the law. And in, in Leviticus chapter 14, it tells you that if someone is healed from leprosy, they need to go and go make themselves available to the priest and the priest will examine them. And the priest will look at them and it's all kinds of crazy stuff. Like they have two birds and they kill one bird in this bucket and the other bird is doused in it. And then he throws the blood all over the person who had leprosy. And then he releases the bird. The bird is full of blood and it goes and it flies away from them as if the leprosy has left them. And then you keep reading this and the priest puts blood on his right earlobe and his right thumb and his right big toe. And there's this whole ceremony of him being clean. And the ultimate is this. The ultimate is at the last part, the leper, the previous leper is to bring an offering to the tabernacle. You know where the tabernacle is? It's in the middle of the camp. It's the middle of the camp where he has been ousted and he could not go, but he is reinstated. He goes to the very middle of the camp. It's an incredible day of celebration. Most people don't look at Leviticus chapter 14, but it's a day of he is cleansed. He is set free and he is back in the middle of his community and he can be touched again. It's a glorious day. It's a picture of one who has been redeemed and purified and cleansed. Now there was this consequence, because look what happens. But the man went and spread the word. He didn't go to the priests. The man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. Did he listen to Jesus? He was disobedient. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus because this was a big miracle. And he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. And look, at, look what happened. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Sometimes we think our disobedience doesn't affect anyone else, but this guy who got healed from leprosy, he was supposed to go show himself to the priest, but instead he went and told everyone, hey, look at me, look at me, I'm clean, look at me, I'm clean. And because of that, it hindered the ministry of Jesus. He wasn't able to go into all these towns. Eventually, Jesus, obviously, he still preached in multiple towns, but there were people in this area at this time who did not hear the teaching of Jesus because of this leper. Do you have spiritual leprosy? What does it look like? Something that has been a part of you. For how long? What's been a part of you? Has it been lust? Is it anger, resentment in your heart, bitterness? What's been a part of your life? That's just, maybe it's an addiction, whatever it is. What's been a part of your, maybe it's an illness. What's been a part of your life that it's, you're just living with it? Now, maybe you're not walking around with torn up old clothes like a leper, and maybe you don't go into a room saying, unclean, unclean. Maybe you don't do that, but you know it's part of you. I just have a feeling God wants to separate you from it today. God wants to separate that from you today. Will you let him? 
You believe that? God wants to separate you from that thing that is on you, that has plagued you, that is a part of you. Whatever it is, God wants to separate you from that. God wants you to be clean. God wants to set you free like that bird that was full of blood that he threw up and flies away in Leviticus. God wants to separate you. Will you let him do that? He loves you and he cares about you. You're not here by accident. God wants you to know him. We're not here to play church. God wants you to experience him. I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to cry out to God and just cry out to him with all your heart. And if you're watching online right where you're at, you can do the same thing. Let's pray. God, we humble ourselves before you. Thank you, God. We praise you and we worship you. And right now, Lord, we cry out to you. I think about this leper that ran up to Jesus and Lord, we just want to get in your face right now. And we want to say, heal. Would you separate that thing? Whatever it is, God, right now. And if that's your prayer, would you just tell God right now, would you just tell God, God, heal me. Make that your prayer. Heal me. Give me a new heart. Give me a new body. And give me a new mind. Give me new desires. Give me new eyes. Heal me, Lord. Thank you, God, for your grace. And if you need to ask Jesus into your heart, would you say this? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I choose to become a Christian right now. I choose to walk with you. Jesus, I'm so grateful that you're the Savior who is willing to touch a leper. I'm so grateful there's no spiritual condition. There's no physical condition. There's no condition at all that is too great for you to handle. So God, we thank you. And again, God, as a church, we just want to pray for Johnny. Would you touch him right now where he's at? Bring healing to him. Separate that virus from his body right now. Separate that pneumonia, that COVID, whatever it is, would you separate it from his body right now? Give him strong lungs to breathe. And may he be a testimony that you're the God who hears prayers. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.